You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast show. It is Wednesday, December 6th. The 49ers cooked birds this weekend. And um, we're still heating up some leftovers all week, right, guys? Uh, so joining me uh, for today's show, as always on a Wednesday, is John Chapman and Wayne Breezy. Fellas, how you doing? Couldn't feeling be better. A, yeah. Feeling, feel, feeling a little full, but always room for more birds. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Two down, three to go. Yeah, to go. we got more to go. Yes. So now, you know, I, I want to begin with today's agenda. Um, but I just wanted to point this out. I'm aware of the thumbnail of this video. You know, it's it's Tyreek, it's Dak, it's Brock Purdy, and in big letters, MVP, right? So if you clicked on this video just for the MVP discussion, I get that. Like, we will get to that. Um, but if you're not watching live, I'll throw it in the timestamp in the description uh, when that portion of the show begins. But this is a 49ers podcast and a 49ers show. I know all the live viewers already know that. Um, but we do have some business to handle before we get into the MVP discussion. And so I'm sure most of you live viewers have no problem with that. I just wanted to make sure I pointed that out because I personally, I hate when I click on a video and it just takes forever to get to the point of what was in the thumbnail. And that's just me. But so the MVP discussion will be um, towards the end of the show. Um, but for now, on with more 49er topics. Um, but Wayne, I want to start with you because you were at the game in Philadelphia this past weekend. And, you know, last week we were all kind of like worried for you. We were like clutching our pearls for you a little bit uh, because we just know that Philly fans are, you know, they don't play nice out there. But it seemed by the end of it, you had an entire section to yourself, right? Whole section. Whole 112 where the players dwell. Like? Listen, listen, first of all, I like to thank God. Second, I like to thank the San Francisco 49ers for going out there and just taking care of business every day. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, st walking into the stadium was definitely an experience. I don't want wish on, upon anybody. You know, you gotta, you gotta be built for it tough walking into the link. Uh, it's, it's, it's a walk in and it's a walk, another walk in. And then when you get in, you got to get to your seat. So it's three levels of it. Uh, then you got to deal with it all game. Uh, and, you know, what the 49ers did uh, was they just kept, you know, plucking feathers off the birds, yep. you know. Mm -hmm. and, and, and what ended up happening is the feathers in the stand started leaving one by one. And so it felt real good to just have a section. I didn't have anybody to talk trash to after that, but they were pretty much gone. Uh, but I will say the, the Eagle fans that were sitting next to us uh, directly behind us and directly in front of us, they were pretty stand up throughout the whole game. Uh, they got in our face when they, you know, forced the three and outs and I got back in their face every for six times for touchdowns and big plays. <laughs> I was told to shut the, uh, up a couple of times and you know i just i just i was you know i didn't know what i didn't know how to respond to that uh but i didn't shut up that's why my voice hurts as you can hear uh but it was an experience and like i said you got to thank the 49ers they came to take care of business and the fans came to take care of business as well and when the fans and the team is in harmony they're in unison or whatever you word you want to use it's a beautiful thing yeah i mean that's awesome that you had a great time um 
and you know, I, I think it's important for fans to know the type of environment. Like if they ever do plan to go to a game out there, you got to know what you're getting yourself into and you have to be, you know, willing to handle that, you know? So you're built different Wayne. We already knew that. So we're just glad yes, you're okay. Did. And yes, of, course, <laughs> of course, you know, the 49ers took care of business and you know what I thought was funny um, and awesome. You know, the 49ers rolled through in the all black drip. And <sighs> apparently this wasn't even like planned. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, this is crazy to me. Like there's so like, if you watch this video, there's so many players who had the all black drip on, like it wasn't even just the three. It, it seemed like it was about half the team that had something black on. And I mean, it, it the fact that it wasn't even planned tells you, you know, everything. I have uh, Trent Williams quote talking about it. He said, quote, a couple of weeks ago, I already knew I was going to come in all black. My mindset was going to be, you know, it's time to kill. We're going to a funeral. It's crazy. I didn't discuss it with anybody else. It just so happened that other guys on the team felt the same way. And it was such a coincidence. That's crazy to me that like that wasn't even planned. Like I thought seeing all those guys like, okay, yeah, we're going to we're going to dress mm. in all you know, we we preparing for the funeral. It's, it's, clearly, they all had the same thing in mind. Their minds are like somehow in sync. Uh, and I think it just goes to show that this matchup, they have been thinking about this for some time now. Like this was planned and calculated the way they were going to roll through, the way they were going to handle their business in Philadelphia. And they did that. They sure did. And I'll say this, you know, one of my favorite things about this team, and it's like this with all teams, even whenever I was coaches, you'd have your loud guys that were like the chatterboxes and you had your quiet assassins, whatever else. But when they mesh together and they come together. So if Wayne, my man's over there talking trash and I'm chill, quiet in the corner, that don't mean I'm not a part. You know what I'm saying? And so Trent, yeah, he's going to punch everybody in the face on national TV with a camera in his face and smile the whole time doing it. Debo's the same way. But then you had some of the quiet guys show up. IU, call those other guys wearing all black. And that's the difference. It doesn't matter what part of the team you are, you're coming to kill. And the whole idea of going to a funeral is true. And they've done this to four different playoff teams on the road so far. They did this week one in Pittsburgh. Stadium was empty. They're a playoff team now. You did this to Jacksonville. They're the number one seed. You did this to Seattle. You did this to Philly. It doesn't matter where the 49ers play. For the longest time, the sentiment was, oh, they're really good at home. Not anymore. Not saying they're not good at home. It doesn't matter where the hell this team plays. It's their home field. They take the crowd out of it, and then they just make all the home fans leave week in and week out, it seems like. And Wayne, I, I had one more question for you about your experience at the game because okay. watching from the TV, there was a very specific moment in the game where mm-hmm. it felt like the Eagles and the fans got a huge boost of energy. Oh, yeah. And the 49ers had hung 21 unanswered points at that point in the game. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, that one moment got them back into it. And you know what I'm saying. The, the Greenlaw and Dom debacle. Uh, and so what was the energy in the stadium like at that point? Because we can hear it on the TV. Like, it sounded rowdy. It sounded, like, oh loud. Everyone was, like, pumped. So what was the energy f- for you being there? Um, and also, like, the, the tush push that followed. You know, they scored on that drive. 
and then walk me through what happened after the Debo touchdown because like that happened almost immediately after that. So like a crazy 15 minutes or so, right? Yeah, like the swing of it, right? So, all right. So the Dre Greenlaw situation happened and, you know, being where I was sitting in the end zone, like you can see it, but you didn't really see it. So as I watched the TV copy, and I looked at it, and I'm like, oh, man, like, even the body slam wasn't bad. It's just a body slam, and it's against the rules, right? But it was he was slamming him inbounds and got him out of bounds. I got the flag part. That's cool. I expect that once a game from Dre Greenlaw. I, I, I said I'd rather him get that and play his style of football than him play timid and, and not the same Dre. So I'm cool with that. I wasn't mad at the 15 yards. What I got mad at was the, the debacle that happened from a non-football player. And I get his job is to secure, like, be the security of the team, the head security of the team. But I've never in my life, ever, in a football fight, debacle, watched head of security even run onto a football field. I've never seen it. This wasn't even a football field. He just happened to be on the sideline. And honestly, Big Dom, you could have got your arm snapped back real quick by you sticking it in there. Don't touch the players. You could have touched your players. If that's the relationship you have, you touch your players. But you touch the opposing player. And he's just lucky. And I think Fred Warner came out and said, he lucky Dre didn't take it. He didn't know who he was. Dre don't know who a big Dom is. He sees somebody touching them that's not in football pads. And so he's lucky. Football is a violent sport. And no, I don't promote the fighting part, but it's all aggression. And if Dre Greenlaw had blacked out, man, it would have got ugly. But that shift, it was quick. And it was quick because of the San Francisco 49ers. And you can talk about Debo answering the call and clapping back. Uh, The twitch push, you knew it was going to happen at some point in the game. I think I was preparing for it. I just wanted to see it be done live. They had two attempts, and they got it done on the second attempt. Uh, I didn't like the way. Here's what really happened. After the twitch push touchdown, because they got it off the penalty, after the twitch push touchdown, Mm -hmm. Jalen Hurts walked over 49er players. Um, You can tell. Um. Yeah. Know your place. Know where you're at. I'm just saying. I don't care if you're at home. You can score, but you got to do it in decency and order. And once he did that, what happened poked, next drive? He poked the bear, and 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 not only did he poke the bear, trying to keep my voice down. Not only did he poke the bear, the bear was already poked because I watched Kyle Shanahan stay on the football field for seven minutes, and that's when I realized that Kyle Shanahan was going out for blood. Like, I knew he came, they came in to win this game, but they were going to go out for blood. And when you got players like Debo Samuel, what do we say about him all the time? He doesn't have to be the best wide receiver in NFL. He doesn't have to be the number one wide receiver. He is a play-freaking-maker. He needs one yard and space. And I, I got to clap up for Debo because on that touchdown, especially the last one, the dude finally caught a screen pass and ran the opposite way. I was like, oh, he's learning. He's learnt. He learnt. Every time he catches that ball, he follows the blockers. This time he realized there was a wall of blockers. I'm just going to go where there's nobody else and outran the rest of the remaining of the Philadelphia Eagles. He's learning on spot. Like, the team is in sync. It was amazing. And that's when everybody hit the road jack. It was really gone. It was really empty after that. 
Yeah, it, it was something else. And I, you know, from an NFL standpoint, I'm curious to see. I think Friday we're going to get a news dump press release. You know, Friday at mm-hmm. 5 p.m., the NFL is going to say this, 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 and we're going to get a new rule. Because if I'm an NFL, t- that was the most watched game, one of the most watched games of the year. And That's it why they did prime flex time it, guys. Right. It, and so now if I'm a coach and they don't change the rules, I'm hiring 15 overweight Paul Blart Mark Malkoffs <laughs> to just every single time there's a tackle on our sideline, you push the opposing player and we're going to try to get them ejected because what's the negative for the team? They didn't receive a penalty. No. So I think there's going to be some adjusting here from the NFL because they saw how bad this could be. Wayne said we got lucky. Dre Greenlaw didn't freaking immobilize that man for the rest of his life. And so that's going to happen if the NFL doesn't change this. It's a terrible look. The Eagles, in my opinion, if I was Goodell, I'd dock them a day three draft pick and ban that dude from the sidelines for the rest of his career. Like, that's what I would do. We'll see. Maybe I'm overreacting, but you can't have the interaction between – security wearing an Eagles hat and a player on the field. Because if not, man, I'm going out and hiring, finding every John Chapman I can on the streets. And I'm telling them, go out there. And when Geno Smith comes to this side, you start roughing them up because there's no consequences for our team. You guys remember just like a week ago, there was that people were sharing that one photographer, young dude. um, It was his lifelong dream to, you know, Yes. Photograph for the NFL. He got that that. job. He lost his credentials because Tyreek Hill Hill grabbed his phone and and did the flip. Like the NFL has taken people's credentials for much less. That's a great example, right? That one was whack. But this one, I think like you're that man had intent to make contact with the player. Whereas, you know, the photographer didn't like, you know, Tyreek grabbed his phone and they were friends before that. So I think like this is looking at that, like the punishment should be like losing his sideline credentials, right? For one, you're not doing your job. If you're the head of security no. and your security job is protects from the fans. Exactly. Right. That your is job your job. You're, That's their facing, job. you're facing the wrong side, buddy. You're not <laughs> doing your job. And I wanted to add to that. Like, you know, I'm not trying to beat down Dom, but this is where it went wrong. Like, if anything, you grab your player and you separate your player and you keep your player safe. You don't put your hands on the opposing player because his life could have literally ended on a football field. And they would have had to make a statue of him because he went down trying to protect his player. My point is just... I'm not saying he didn't do his job, but you got you 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 got to do your job. You got to make sure that you know you're keeping your people safe. It's just like if there was you you, you got to keep your players away from from the stuff that's going on. Dre Greenlaw didn't do nothing of intent other than body slam Devonte Smith, which you knew they that's knew it was going to happen. That's like, going to happen. Yeah, it's going to happen. Happens. It's going to happen. Devonte was trying to get an extra yard. Dre was trying to keep him in bounds, and next thing you know, he gets boofed. That's what we call it back in the day. But at the end of the day, as a security, I've never seen a security guard, head of security, top flight security, Paul Blart, Mark Cop security. I've never seen a national security. I've never seen a security guard in the NFL touch a football player. I've never seen it. That has to be in their training. That has to be. The referees usually get in. They break up the disperse. You'll see refs hats flying off. Right. Little guys. They get paid for that. I've never seen that 
And that, when I watch the TV copy, and I'm just like, dang, like, why even touch Green Law? Like, that's what I was saying you know, was to crazy. myself, so. It was crazy. As you said, Wayne, he was lucky that, you know, he didn't get seriously yeah. hurt on on that, you know, altercation. Uh, but, you know, to switch gears here, you know, the 49ers <laughs> suffered some injuries in, in this in this game uh going into it you know Eric Armstead throughout the week was dealing with a foot injury he said that he was going to play he played now he has a knee injury Ross Dwelly high ankle sprain he's going to miss a few weeks uh cornerback Daryl Luter Jr. hamstring he'll miss at least a week and Spencer Burford is now dealing with a knee injury Ray Ray McLeod still still dealing with his rib injury he is day to day um okay a little bit to unpack here. So I, I saw, um, you know, some fans maybe suggest that, you know, the 49ers playing the Seahawks this week. You beat them pretty handedly the last time you guys played. You know, maybe just rest Eric Armstead for this week. I mean, I don't – I just – that's just something I saw, uh, all right? I'm, I'm getting the deep breaths and the <laughs> the woosahs. But, I, I mean – I, I understand, but at the same time, like these games are so important. Like you got to win every single game the rest of the way. And I just don't look. If, if he can't play, that's one thing. But if he could play, he should be out there, right? So I, I don't I don't know if I agree with the rest thing. In fact, you're playing for the one seed for the right to rest your players, right? And going into the playoffs, so these games are important. And Eric Armstead is as important as any player on that defensive line and has been. But what do you guys think? Um, should the 49ers think about resting Eric Armstead in Seattle or just be cautious, like play the cautious side? Um, I mean, it all depends on the player, right? And so, like, if Eric Armstead is is hurt and can play, he should play. Eric Armstead is dealing with an injury to where it can, you know, prolong and turn into something else, then yeah, then you keep them out um, and, and, you, and you play the depth and, and you figure it out. Uh, but this game, I know people feel like, you know, we beat the Seahawks. This is an important game. This can be a swing game for the Seahawks, and it could potentially knock the San Francisco 49ers out um, of that first seed contention, which you said will be the ultimate reward because you will get a week off. Uh, essentially another bye week and we watch these players kind of like play out uh, dealing with nagging injuries or nagging you know things that hurt on them to get to that week off I can tell you right now and I, I think John will talk about it a little bit more uh, Eric Arnson says hey man I'm going to get some treatment and I'm going to be back like I'm, I'm, I'm going to be so like let's see what the injury necessarily is I don't even think the 49ers know in particular what it is or the severity of it uh, and so until they get that from the doctors, I think Armstead's going to go out there. You can rest him in practice. I don't think he needs to practice. And so we'll see what happens. Uh, as far as Ross Dwelly, he'll be out. Darrell Luter Jr. didn't see that happening, but he's going to be out. And the Niners got depth back there, right? Uh, they just signed it. You know, they got a safety that they got. Well, two safeties. Uh, Spencer Burford with the knee. We knew he was dealing with the injury. Uh, and then Ray-Ray McLeod with the ribs. I mean, at this point, I knew the Niners were going to win that game when I saw Debo returning kickoffs was like what is going on like <laughs> he was pumped too man. he was i mean yeah. he, he almost broke one for a touchdown he makes I, one yep. one more he person miss. yes and so i mean ray ray heal up the ribs dog uh great to get you back but 
when it comes to these players, man, if they're just dealing with a with, with if they're hurt, I'm sure they're going to go out there. They know how to take care of their bodies, and they'll be good to go. But if they can't bear the weight on the injury or things like that, then yeah, you got to properly rest them. I think with Eric Armstead, you know, he he played this game and he was banged up anyway. He played 33 snaps, and once the game got out of control, then he went to the sideline. They send in Kalia Davis for him, and Kalia Davis played great, which is awesome. But Eric Armstead is the longest-tenured 49er. This dude has been through more Seattle upsets and frustrating games and losses than anybody else on the roster. And he went to school in Oregon. He's not missing this game. This is a personal game for him. So, And on top of that, he just got nominated Walter Payton Man of the Year for the fourth time. Eric Armstead's not going to pull himself from the spotlight. He came on after the game. He was one of the guys that spoke to the press and said, I'm fine. I'm good. Like, dude's going to be out there. I I would be willing to bet whatever I got on Armstead playing this week, and I think that he should play. This is the most important game left on the schedule. Uh, I know everybody wants to talk about the Ravens and all that stuff. That's an out-of-conference, non-divisional game. You win this game, you win the NFC West, period. You win this game, you're I, I know it's not locked up and you know, whatever, it's not a hat and t-shirt game. I don't care. I don't care. You win this game, the 49ers have won the NFC West. And so, yes, everybody needs to show up. And everybody's like, oh, let down game, trap game. Dude, this is against I know everybody loves Philly, and that game was awesome. And you know, the win over them, we loved it. This is the game. There is no let down. There is no, oh, we overlooked them. This is the Seattle Seahawks. Everybody's going to be pumped up for this game. Just like they were like, it might not be as personal. This game is more important because it's a divisional game. We've won, I think, 11 in a row. 11 division games in a row. Got to make it 12. Got to make it 12. Yeah, as far as seeding goes, this is the most important game left, as you said, John. And, you know, that Ravens game is big for different reasons, Mm -hmm. but no impact on the seeding aside from, you know, I mean, overall records. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, yeah, I I, I agree. I think you need all hands on deck, anyone who's going to be available to, to be there. I know we've lost some respect for the Seahawks, uh, you know, in, in maybe the last year or so, but divisional games can go any which way and we can't forget that. So if Eric Armstead is, is good to go and hopefully he is, I'm sure we'll get more information on that later today, Wednesday, um, by the way, but you know, if he's don't expect him to practice he's today be out there. Yeah, no, I I'm not expecting him to practice at all this week, but he's one of those guys who can suit up even hopefully he'll tell us again. Like he told us last week, pretty early in the week. So that way we were like all calm, like, okay, he's going to play. Um, so hopefully he'll let us know that I bet Shanahan told him, don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) I I like to play with these injuries because it feels like, you know, it pisses the other team off. Yeah. I bet Shanahan went and told him, don't do that. I feel like Eric Armstead is messing up Shani's mojo a little bit because, you know, (laughs) Shanahan's the king of manipulation in the NFL, you know. And so, you know, Eric, you got to stop being too square, I guess, you know, just, just, you don't got, just, just chill out. We, we got this. They got it. (laughs) <laughs> for, for all we know, Kyle already knew what it was on on right. Monday when he spoke to the media and was just being coy and like yeah. you know we, we yeah. don't. It's know. a knee injury, and we don't really know what kind of yeah, knee injury. Yeah, we're, we're it gathering is. the details. We're getting it. 
Kyle oh. Shanahan's too honest at his press conferences, but as soon as it's about injury, he just like shoop. All right, <laughs> straight smart man. Smart Let's man. just lie our rear ends off, <laughs> and like it's just so funny to me. Well, uh, staying on the topic of injury, you know, we mentioned the Ross Dwelly thing. Um, he's going to be out a few weeks with the high ankle sprain. The 49ers still have George Kittle. They still have Charlie Warner, and they still have rookie Braden Willis as well. Now, earlier, I think last week at this point, um, Zach Gertz requested his release from the Arizona Cardinals. They granted that he was released. He went through waivers. Nobody claimed him. He's now a free agent and he wants to sign with a, um, you know, contending team. 49ers are a contending team who suddenly have a need at tight end. Well, you know, maybe need is a strong word, but. They just lost a tight end, so it wouldn't hurt to look into it. Now, Kyle Shanahan was asked on uh, Zach Ertz uh, earlier this week on Monday when he spoke to the media, and he said, quote, I know John looks into all that stuff. I haven't heard anything about it now, so I wouldn't think so at this time. Um, he went on to say, right now, at least from my standpoint, we're good with our group, but we have injuries and things change, so we'll look into all options as always. End quote. It seemed like that last part, he kind of left the door open, um, acknowledging that they have injuries. So, you know, maybe it is possible they explore it. Um, but what do you guys think if Zach Ertz is a possibility for this team? Yeah, look, it's no brainer for me. Uh, the 49ers can always add an extra tight end uh, to their roster, especially now that they're in the need of one for the next couple of weeks. And, you know, it would be good to have a veteran tight end uh, to go along. He can inline block. He's a red zone target. He can catch like like these are some of the things you can get. Run blocking is pretty good from Zach Ertz. And he's just a savvy vet, right? He's been around. The only issues with him has been injuries, but he's been pretty healthy with Arizona uh, for the stint that he's been there. But the team was just going through so many different term turmoil. Uh, you know, he didn't really get a chance. He has to be released. They released him. Cool. He's free agent. Uh, and like I said, if the Niners, um, this, to me, this would be a no brainer. Go see what he's looking for, offer him a package. And I, I know he knows his choices would be a team like the 49ers. You could possibly see him going to a team like Philly, um, or Kansas city, like any one of these contending teams that really be ultimately be up to him. But I think the Niners should definitely give it a shot. I, I, I don't disagree. I mean, Ertz is a damn good player with a lot of playoff experience. The Eagles probably make the most sense, but they're getting back their starter this week. Dallas and so Dallas Goddard's coming back. He practiced last week for the four, first time, didn't play in this game. Like, so there it's, it's basically identical spots. Do you want to be the number two, three guy or, you know, what do you want to do now? I think Baltimore who a lot of people aren't talking about makes the most sense. If I was Zach Ertz personally, that's where I would be going because you could step in immediately and be a starter there for the Eagles. You might be tight end too. for the 49ers. Dude, I'm telling you right now, Charlie Warner's playing some damn good 49ers football consistently week in week out. He's not passing him for me. So you could come here. You're going to be our tight end three. We'll create some receiving option plays for you, but you're getting 20 plays tops here. You go to Baltimore, you can get 40. That's why I don't think this is a good fit just from a Zach Ertz perspective. But yes, if I'm the Niners, I'm reaching out. Dwelly's injured, even though it's only going to be a couple weeks. He's one. This is what's crazy. Johnny Dale put this out. He's one of nine players. We only have nine players on the 49ers roster from the 2019 Super Bowl. We only have nine out of 53. 
And Roz Dwelly's one of those. Um, so he's been a staple. I know not a key cog in the whole machine, but man, I love me some Roz Dwelly. I don't want this to end just yet. Is that is that weird? Am, am I by myself there? The nostalgia. No, uh, I love I love Dwelly. Ross. Ross the balls. I, I I like that. You know, every year he comes in, he competes. He understands his role. Uh, he understands he's going to get released and offer be offered a, a a spot later on. Like he just understands it. And when his number is called. He executes. So um, I love Ross the boss. Is is just he's injured right now. <laughs> so, um, you know, do you bring up another tight end? We don't really run three tight end sets, but we do rotate tight ends a lot. Mm-hmm. And so now we're talking about rotating. Are you going to call are you going to call up Braden Willis? Is that what we're going to do? Because we're down a tight end. And so I don't know if you want to put a rookie out there through this home stretch where you're going for that number one seed. Yeah, and I mean, this he's a special teams player, Roz Dwelly, at this point. Let's just be very honest. Okay. Uh, he played three snaps last week, or one snap against offensive snap against the Eagles, three snaps against the Seahawks the week before. Like, he's a special teams guy. Zach Ertz ain't coming in to cover kickoffs. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I agree. I agree. I agree. But we also added in other people that can be special teams players. You got the Eric Harris's now. You got... You know, like we got yeah. guys, you got some yeah. of these young guys that are back. Jordan Mason is probably the best special teams player on the San Francisco 49ers. You got Ronnie Bell down there gunning. So, like, I feel like that can be covered. Like, that yeah. can be covered. But my question is, are you calling up Brandon Willis? Yes, because they, that's that, mm. then do it. Then do it. Yes. Like, it's another offensive weapon, but he's a rookie. So. I'm- I will say, I will say as a season has gone on and there have been injuries, like, you know, the safety position is one of them. The rookies that have had to step up, in my opinion, have stepped up. Like Jair yeah, Brown. Ronnie Bell. Jair Brown. Ronnie Bell. Yeah. yeah but Ronnie we haven't we, we haven't seen Braden Willis. So we, don't but we saw him expect, at training camp think, and that dude was yeah, the second best tight end. Throughout nice. training camp. Nice. Yeah, but but that and I'm, this is not a knock to him. We haven't I seen him play. Him. Any NFL snaps. That's and I'm not saying that he can't, but we haven't seen it. And that's yeah. my thing. We we haven't seen it in the preseason games as well. Like he had a couple of, 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 of catches, but we saw what Ronnie Bell could be. You know, you saw what Jair Brown could be. And I'm not saying Braden can't be that. It's just if it was earlier in the season, I'd be all for it. Now we're talking about five games left, finishing in first place, winning the division. The snaps can be limited like they were for Ross Dwelly, but do we want to put that pressure on him? What if something – I don't know. I'm just I'm just thinking outside the box. I want bit. Willis, man. I want him. I want I'll, him. I'll say this. I mean, I think we'll find out what the 49ers feel about Braden Willis and how confident they are about yeah. him in these last five games. I if agree. They, you know, if they sniff on Ertz or not, you know, so we'll we'll get our answer. Like if, if the 49ers – feel inclined to sign him probably a sign that Braden Willis they feel is not ready otherwise I think they feel comfortable and you know Kyle did say on Monday like he feels great with the group that they have so true true you know true that. maybe that's what that means but you know going to other positions uh you know we talked about the safety position that was one area the 49ers really need needed depth on Tuesday the 49ers signed free agent DB Logan Ryan after a workout and the move comes just days after losing both Teleno Hufunga and George Odom to season-ending injuries. 
And so their safety depth has taken some hits. Logan Ryan is 32 years old. He just like me for real. Um, seasoned vet, a two-time Super Bowl champion as a member of the Patriots. Since then, he spent time with the Titans, Giants, and Bucks. Over his 149-game career, he's tallied 742 total tackles, 15 forced fumbles, 19 interceptions, and 13 sacks. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I, I do love this move. It seems like the 49ers always bring in a veteran DB before the stretch run. And, you know, you don't want that guy to need to play, but you feel good knowing that the guys that they usually bring, Logan Ryan's no different, has the veteran savvy to plug right into the system, not miss much of a beat. Um, and so I, I like this move. Yeah, it's like a security blanket, right? So, like, you rock, you rock with the young guy. You rock with Jair Brown. You continue to let him progress. He's had a couple of – he's had two good games, uh, a couple of missed tackles, which he can learn from, a couple of poor angles, which he can learn from. But just, God forbid, something was to happen and you needed to plug in a guy that can get you a few snaps. It's Logan Ryan, right? Because now you got the experienced veteran, and this is what I mean. You bring in that experienced veteran just as some type of sort of, you know, a guy that could come in there, and you know there's not much he has to learn. There's not much you got to teach him. He might not know the system in its entirety, but he can come in there and play deep. You know, he can come in there playing about. He could do what you need him to do when you call on his number. So I like, I love the signing, uh, and I love the fact that they're building the depth back up uh, because I thought for a second that maybe we'll see some Taylor Hawkins from the practice squad. I thought maybe he'll get his opportunity. But apparently, apparently, he's not the guy that they want at this moment, and so they went out and got a veteran to come in there. Uh, and so Logan Riley would probably be on that active roster this week. And will he play? I don't know. If he, if he, if <laughs> we'll see. Uh, I think the injury that happened to Sean Gibson, not saying that it's severe, but when you saw Isaiah Oliver playing safety, you had to be scratching your head, right? I was flipping out. I was like, why is 26 playing safety? Why is 26 playing safety? And John, and before I was, you speak, I want to give you your props. If it wasn't for Isaiah Oliver, even though I didn't think he played well, if it wasn't for at that spot, if it wasn't for him saving that tackle, A.J. Brown would have went to the house. So I got to give you your props. You didn't notice that. So thank you. And so, like, he had as many missed tackles in that opening drive. You know, he gave up two first downs, and then the rookie gave up that one big first down, and then they were able to squash it. But I think the 49ers saw what they needed to see. Like, it's not a coverage issue with Isaiah Oliver at the safety position, which he's played in the past for the – he came in and missed two tackles for huge first downs on third down. And they were just like, nope, go get somebody else. Now, you look at Logan Ryan, who's played safety for the past three years of his time in the NFL. He had two missed tackles the entire year last year. Isaiah Oliver did that on the opening drive. And so you saw what you had, and you already had to move Oliver once because he wasn't, you know, coverage was an issue at, at nickel. So then you move him to safety where it's easier, and then he couldn't run field. And so it was just, it wasn't run field, it was inside slant, but still. I don't know. I think that this was an Oliver signing more than anything. They saw a glimpse and they were just like, ooh, if this is what it's going to be, we can't have that. We're one injury away from this. We've got to pad that. And so I think that's what this is. Yeah, it helps with special teams, but you know, I, I'm not sure how a 32-year-old is going to help so much more with special teams. I think he'll be out there early. I think that this is Isaiah Oliver isn't the guy we want at safety if that's what we're going to see.
And so how many chances is this guy going to get? I, I don't know. I, it's I don't weird, know what though, because he's a, he's a great tackler in space. Like that's his gift. Coverage is not. Yeah. But in space, it's his gift. He lo- if he locates some type of a a, a a wide receiver reverse screen, he's he targets like he's out for blood. Bam, tackle for a loss. But man, just when you got him to have to cover, I don't know if he's overthinking or taking the wrong angles or whatever. I mean, you're watching the film, guys. Like it's just not great. And so you bring in a safety. <laughs> like it's crazy to me that like every every position that Isaiah Oliver has touched is like, ooh, like I think we need someone else. <laughs> He's like, you want to be <laughs> you want to be the guy that replaces Oliver. That's what you want to be because then everybody loves you. But like, he's great in the run defense. It's just the passing yeah, defense where he like, struggles, yeah. which he needs to be great in that if he's a DB. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's kind of important, right? <laughs> I think he gets yeah, one so, more shot. One more shot. Okay. I mean, honestly, I don't think the 49ers have a good enough reason to just cut him, let him go. Oh, no, no. It's on every special teams group. You don't get any cap cap relief. They'll limit limit his role a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And the versatility is huge because it's a break break glass in case of emergency. I mean, there's lots of different things that you could do there. And even whenever Charvarius Ward went out two weeks ago against the Seahawks, they brought him in at nickel, kicked Ambry and Demo back outside. So, like, it's just – it's extra. You don't like it, but it's an NFL-quality player. Here's my question to you you two. Isaiah Oliver or Dante Johnson? Isaiah Oliver. I, I mean, I haven't seen Dante Johnson in a while. But I know. just think about him being in the – think about the role. That's that's why I'm I'm bringing this up because yeah. that's what we have in Isaiah Oliver. They're similar, though. Versatile. I mean, Long, yeah. slinky, can tackle, can play really every freaking DB. Position. Yeah. <laughs> good what players. Say jack of all trades, master of none. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So I guess that's, uh, that's both of them. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh. Uh, well, I mean, less Isaiah Oliver is a good thing. So I like the signing um, from the 49ers. I just want to mention, you know, the the one player that they had to let go to make room for Logan Ryan was Ty Davis-Price, last year's third-round pick uh, running back, right? So <laughs> Your tone. I- <laughs> like, we all feel it. We it, all- it, was, it. It didn't – it was just the word running back. Like, that was the tone. It was just like – yeah. I mean, the moment that the 49ers traded for Christian McCaffrey, like he was on the outside looking in. I, I, I think that, we knew that already. That's and that's the take, though, Steph. I mean, and that and that's exactly what it was. You 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 draft the running back, right? You bring the running backs in. You're you're, you're hoping that they pan out, and then the and then there was a trade for the greatest running back since Adrian Peterson played, and he comes in, and now it's like, oh shoot. Like the de- like you, you you start to see less reps, and the Niners maybe they possibly tried to trade him, but they knew they weren't going to get anything, and so it just comes to a point where he made the active roster this year, okay, but he was inactive every game except for what what he played one game, if I'm not mistaken. But at the end of the day, the Niners got their guy, they got their backup, and what they love, what they see from Jordan Mason, they love. And so it is what it is. It's 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 strictly business. It's nothing personal. And honestly, if he clears waivers and doesn't get an opportunity and the Niners offer him a practice squad contract, yeah. Yeah, you're right. he may just take that. 
you know, and this is not a shot at him because I think he has the potential of being a good running back. But how can you show if you're a good running back in the NFL if you don't get the opportunity or get the reps? It's and just the way teams. it is. He's not playing on special teams And either. that's what hurt him the most, though, John, because Jordan Mason? A beast. On special teams. Yeah. But also, yeah. You, you, you can't make the case to have four running backs active on game days either. And a fullback. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, and a fullback. Just... Right. So... It's too much, especially whenever you're injuries at other positions that you need to account for. Right. And so, mm-hmm. and and I got a lot of messages as soon as this got announced. Like Shanahan should never draft a running back again. And, and like I understand the anger because you missed on Trey Sermon, you missed on Joe Williams, you've now missed on TDP. I understand that, but we've also seen what this offense looks like when it has a capable running back. So mm-hmm. I I want a team, and this is weird to me, right? Like, I want somebody that is going to swing for the fences and understands what they want. And guess what? You've been wrong on evaluation. Trey Lance, you swung for potential, you missed. You got lucky with Brock, right? You swung on Joe Williams, you swung on TDP, and that sucks. I hate spending third-round picks on running backs. But we are seeing what happens when you have an elite running back in this offense. It changes everything. And so Dad Shanahan somewhere pissed off because he's like, dude, get a corner, get a corner. Uh, and Shanahan's like, nope. <laughs> he went straight the other way. So I still want them. I would not be upset in the future if we draft another running back in the third round. That's all I'm saying. I don't like it because I think it's a misappropriation of funds. But for Shanahan, that dude's got to have a run back he loves. I mean, for me at this point, like, why do we care? Like, yeah. we're, we're winning. We have a winning formula. We're contending every year. Like, let them spend what they want on their picks, and we just see if it pans out. Obviously, we don't know. They don't know. And so we just have to just fall back and just let it happen. And if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't happen, oh, well, we draft again. The San Francisco 49ers have 85 picks next year, and, like, 80 of them are third-round picks. They better get another running back. They got to keep the wheels turning. Like, they just keep it turning. Like, Players get injured like that, and you better make sure that the next man up can come in there and do exactly what that first man or that second man was doing. And so, when you look at that, when you if you look at it from that perspective, you just draft. You draft. Yeah. You find out who's available. If there's a guy you got a high grade on, John or Steph, you take your guy. You take a shot. If it doesn't pan out, well, I took my shot. If you gamble, you go. That's what the draft is. It's a big gamble. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you guys know what's gonna. You guys know what's gonna happen. Um, come April, right? Come the draft. Yeah, they're drafting another running back. If Blake Corum is oh, in the no. third round, no. sitting no. there. If Blake, no. let me let, let me stop. Wait, wait, wait. I gotta bring no it down. Way. I gotta bring it down. No I gotta way. bring it down. I gotta no bring way. it down. I gotta bring it down. Let me say what I want to say. Forty Niners are gonna draft Frank Gore Jr. Okay. Uh, okay. That's fair. Second round. Second round? No, I think he's a day three not. pick, personally. He's the he's the 14th ranked running back in the nation, though. Yeah. So he, that's the 14th. That's you're talking round okay. six, probably. Really? 14th? Yeah. yeah. Wow. I thought he would be and higher. Know, and you know, Gore is on the scouting department now. So I'm anyway, just saying... I, I said my piece. Go ahead, Wayne. No, that, that's a great piece. Listen, I if if Frank Gore Jr. or one of these running backs are there. I, honestly, it comes down to Bobby Turner. And as long as Bobby Turner is alive and kicking and he's doing his job, he's going to tell you exactly who he wants. And you know what? Kyle gives him who he wants. Kyle gives 
Bobby Turner what he wants. And I think the fact that, you know, we don't talk much about Anthony Lynn anymore. I think people forgot that he's gone. Um, Anthony Lynn, Jordan Mason was an Anthony Lynn guy, right? And so, like, you're seeing Anthony Lynn, Bobby Turner, and these this running back group, they they got it. They 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 there's something a little different about those two coming together. They're not clashing. They're actually coming combining. You're getting two different styles of running backs on this roster. You're getting power runs. You're getting finesse. Uh, they went away from speed, but they still have speed. It's weird, right? And so hey, whoever they select, I'm with it. Like, I don't care what round it's in. I might scratch. Guys, we drafted a kicker in the third round, and it's panning out. So at this point, most of those third-round picks weren't ours in the first place. Yeah. Let them, just let them use them. Let them do what they want. That's all yeah. I'm saying. It's, it's, uh, it's free money at that point. 14th running back last year's draft, Dwayne McBride went the seventh round. The 14th picked running back. Oh, that's the, dang. I don't even know who that is. Yeah. He went to Minnesota. We um, don't know who that is. I love it. It's crazy. I'm sorry. Um, check in on a couple of super chats here. Shout out Bobo. He said, Seattle beat us four years straight. We must return the favor. Yes, that we must. Uh, shout out Michael Pickle. He said, let's go. So excited about this team. It's fun to watch. Can't wait for Arizona. You all rock. Thanks for your hard work. Gets me through my work day. All love. Niners, baby. Let's go. Um, let's go. All right. We got to end the show, I think, on, on this high note here. And this is the part where I want to get real interactive um, with with the group of viewers that we have. And also, if you're watching this after the live, um, you know, drop your comments. We're going to talk about the candidates for MVP, right? If you would like to make a case for any of these names listed here, throw it in the comments. If you would like to make a counterpoint to someone else's case, for any of these players, throw it in the comments. Or if you've just seen like a narrative out there in the world that you don't agree with, you know, that you want to fight with, throw it in the comments. Be nice. Uh, if you have any stats to support your claims that help add context, throw it in the comments. All right. Because I'm all for conversation and debate, but you got to come through with some facts too. You can't just be saying things to say them. Uh, so, guys, are as of, uh, you know, December 5th, the new MVP odds as it stands. Brock Purdy at the top, plus 300. Then Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott. Um, then Tua, then Patrick Mahomes, Lamar, Tyreek, Christian McCaffrey, and CJ Stroud. Now, as soon as people saw Brock Purdy at the top, you know, some of the some of the opinions started to come out. Now, I know how we feel about Brock Purdy, and a lot of us feel that, you know, the, he, he deserves to be in the conversation, right? But what what arguments would you make for Brock Purdy? Or, like, because there's a lot of people arguing against Brock Purdy <clears throat> in the MVP, and I feel like I'm I'm finding myself arguing with those the most because it's all based on – people watching one game and it's so obvious that they've only watched one game. Like as soon as that game against the Eagles finished, people were like, he's, he's only checking down. He's a, he's a yards after the catch merchant. How is he going to win MVP? Well, the problem one is that you only watched one game and, and two, like if you watched any other games, you would see that, that's not the case. Like, yeah, that was the game plan for one game. 
And you can argue against the Giants as well in week three, very specific game plans to, you know, beat an overaggressive defensive line. Any other game, you've seen Brock Purdy throw 20 plus air yards and make awesome catches, perform, I think, you know, a little, little above his supporting cast i get that's like the the biggest argument against brock he's on a loaded offense and kyle shanahan you know a genius is his head coach and play caller right you know he he gets some flack for that too so i'm just curious i want to know your guys's opinions people in the comments i want to know your guys's opinions on any of these guys that you see here for or against Uh, well let's just start with the guy that's at the top let's start with brock purdy you know, and 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 I mean, when you're better than every quarterback on this list, because the stats say so, because the numbers say so. The only thing I look at when I look at Dak Prescott, he has uh, what three more touchdowns. They're tied in interceptions, and he has a few more yards than Brock. Okay, cool. But how does Dak get it? Or how like or, or Jalen Hurts? He's beaten both of them. Okay, and 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 let's just considerably and let's bar the fact that the team is loaded because last time i checked the eagles are loaded uh last time i checked that the the uh cowboys are loaded god forbid you know the miami dolphins are loaded with speed and weapons all right they got two fastest wide receivers in the nfl you go patrick mahomes may have the most unloaded team on this list uh next to baltimore okay and so like when I, when I look at that and I'm saying to myself, come on, y'all got to leave that out of the situation now. When you're, tell, when you're talking about Brock, the number one blitzed quarterback in the NFL that wins against the blitz, like to me, like that, that should surpass anybody. He's already in the lead, but don't sit there and try to degrade what this man is doing week in and week out. And I think everybody, you know, those that aren't 49er fans, I'm sure they're going to cheer for Brock. There are some 49er fans that don't feel like he should be that. But you got to understand what this kid is doing. Like, this kid is coming out there. I don't care about the three losses. Quarterbacks are going to lose. Teams are going to lose. Like, it happens. It's the NFL. (laughs) Right? Jalen Hurts was number one until he got beat by who? The 49ers led by who? Brock Purdy. This is why Brock should have always been. This is why I kept having that elite conversation. This is why I talk about stuff like this. Like, if he's not elite, if he's not that guy, fine. But then neither are the other those other quarterbacks, except for Patrick Mahomes, because he's the only one that's won a Super Bowl. And you might can throw in my man, the MVP, former MVP, Lamar Jackson. Other than that, all the other quarterbacks are not elite, and they're still working to be that. But if you call the majority of that list elite as quarterbacks on that list, you got to have the conversation to Brock. And so that's why he should be in the lead. And, 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 and look, it's a quarterback award. I get it. So for just talking about quarterbacks, because I see two guys up there that aren't quarterbacks, and Tyreek Hill, who's having a phenomenal season as a wide receiver, and Christian McCaffrey, who's having the best season as a running back since Adrian Peterson. I'm not saying he's going to rush for 2,000, but he's at 15-something all all-purpose yards, and he's going to probably eclipse that 2,000 mark over the next five games just like that. So those guys should be in contention as well. Brock is the man. All Brock got to do is keep going out there being himself. I just don't see him slipping at this point. He done got the mark. I don't see him slipping from the mark. 
Yeah, he's he's by far the most consistent. And so if you talk about, you know, Steph, you started this off by saying like, oh, he, he just dink and dunk quarterback, right? That's one of the criticisms that people are saying for Brock Purdy. He has the highest passer rating on 20-plus yard touchdown passes out there. Hasn't thrown any interceptions on any of them. And if you're sitting there saying like, oh, you just watched the Eagles game, and yeah, Brock completed zero 20-yard pass attempts against the Eagles, guess how many Jalen Hurts completed? Zero. Zero. Same thing. So if, if that's your argument, cool. Let, let's do the exact same thing to Jalen Hurts, who you're championing as the MVP. It doesn't match. And then you look at Dak. What happens when a big game happens? Now, he did have his best, quote-unquote, big game uh, against the Seattle Seahawks, if you want to call it that, um, where he played very, very well. But whenever the 49ers played them, how did Dak do? He threw three interceptions, one touchdown. How did Brock perform against the Cowboys and the Eagles? Eight touchdowns, zero interceptions. What do you want? Big games? Check. Most consistent? Check. Doesn't turn the ball over? You look at how many turnovers Jalen Hurts has. That dude's averaging over a turnover a game. Mm -hmm. So in my opinion, if I'm going by these, you know, quote unquote, oh, dink and dunk, doesn't play well, whatever, surrounded by talent, my MVP thing would say CJ Stroud above all those guys. But I think it should be Brock Purdy. I don't have a problem with Dak being up there. He's going to have the chance to prove it this next week against the Eagles. But Jalen Hurts makes no sense to me. Uh, It's the whole arsonist versus firefighter. He puts his team in a giant hole, then bails them out at the end. Why does he get credit for one and not the other? Um, And I do think that for the writers, it's a quarterback-only award. Tyreek and Christian deserve to be in the conversation, but they get the consolation prize of opposing – or, sorry, um, offensive player of the year. That's going to go to one of those two guys. Couple more uh, super chats I want to throw up here. Uh, Scott Hill says, "Hi, Steph, John, and Breezy. This team reminds me of the '89 49ers. I was there when we beat Dallas. This team now is as good or better as that team. What are your thoughts? I mean, I I wasn't alive in '89. I don't know if I can uh, <laughs> if, I if I can say, but." Um, yeah, I, I, I love mean, when you have the historian historic historian 49er fans come on the show mm-hmm. uh because they 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 witnessed dynasties like none other. I will say that this Niners team is is in that category of 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 heading into some type of a dynasty based uh organization and once they get their first Super Bowl, it's going to be over for the NFL for a very long time. Like a very long time. And and you you've seen that Steph where and in New England, they were probably the last great dynasty to do it consecutively year in year out, and so uh, what Kyle Shanahan with John Lynch are building here is something very special, something that isn't just a a, a quickie, it's something that's going to have a durable and last uh, duration for a very long time uh, here in San Francisco, and so look this this is a good point from Uncle Scott like look. This team is reminding him of the 89 Niners. Uh, and, and the only thing that can kind of like get in their way is themselves. And I think after the bye week, they realized that was their reflection. Dude, we beating ourselves. We're, that, guys, come on. We're better than this. Yep. And, and that was the conversation that they were having. And here's how I know. If a team can show up dressed in black like the Omen without communicating, they in sync. Mm-hmm. Dude, yep. They're on the same level. And I'll say this about the 89 team. Number one in points scored, number three in points allowed. 
both top three units. You look at us now, number two in points allowed, number three in points scored. Top three units, offense, defense, complete domination throughout the entire season. The difference is, and hopefully it's going to be a similarity, they finished. The 89 team finished. They finished. Can the 49ers of 2023 do the same thing? They got the best team. I feel like that's been proven. Can the consistency, the truest measure of greatness, apply to this team? So you got five regular season, then hopefully only three playoff games, maybe four if you don't get that first round bye, but got to finish. Yeah, I I keep coming back to uh, this oh, chart shat. that, um, yeah, he's he's been updating this you know, throughout the year. And as it stands through 12 games, the 49ers are one of the top teams in DVOA um, like ever. This is, well, not ever. This is going back to 1981 um, to present day. And you see the 49ers are, you know, listed here as are the Baltimore Ravens, uh, 2023 Baltimore Ravens. So, you know, just to speak on what they're doing as well, Definitely impressive. Forty-two point nine percent DVOA on the season, and that's that's top ten ever. Well, okay, I keep saying ever um, since nineteen eighty-one, uh, and that's yeah, that that's impressive. Uh, Josh here says, "Here's a fact: Nick Wright should lose his credentials for his take on Purdy." Yeah, going back to the MVP conversation and just like the the weird conversations happening around like Purdy is like I've seen at this point. I think it's one thing to like argue and early on in the season argue that or wonder if Brock Purdy is just a product of the system or not. Like, I think it was fair to just have that question, but I think like we're now, we're now this far into the season and I see people still obsessed with making the case against that or sorry for that saying that he's, he's just, he's just a product of the system and it's gotten weird. Like, it, it's weird. It's obsessive at this point. And they're scratching and clawing at any one stat, because there, there aren't many at this point that um, support that claim. But they're finding any little stat they can find to help support that. And it's just, it just, it feels like people are constantly moving the goalposts on Purdy and finding any reason why he isn't that guy. And I don't know why. Like, why Why are you guys so obsessed with this crediting Brock Purdy? It's just this weird thing that I've noticed. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen, like, Steven Ruiz's um, posts on, on Twitter, but he's another guy as far as, like, Nick Wright, obviously, he's on national TV. But Steven Ruiz has also been doing that. So it's just weird. Um, Clickbait. I mean, that's just what it is. I mean, I They're guess. just try, trying to get clicks. I don't think either one of those individuals actually believe what, what they it say. is they're seeing no. or, or what they're saying. Like, yeah. I, I they mean, had this story. They're not get new information has presented itself. Then you readjust your understanding and you come up with a new take. That's logic. That's a scientific method. These people are not interested in those things because they want clicks. They want whatever. And that's their goal, not factual information. Can, they, can I? They, is there any system quarterbacks right now in the NFL other than Brock Purdy? Because I'm curious to un, I'm curious to know what that definition even means. Right? Like, what even is that? Like, is what, Tom, was Tom Bur- Brady a system uh, quarterback? No, you, I'm uh, yeah, with Tom, you. I he never played I mean, in a different he, system than what he was in. Whenever he went right. to Tampa Bay, they took the same system. So, right, cool, right, awesome. awesome. 
it's just dumb. a weird it's a weird argument and i i just feel like people want to be right so much that they're just flat out wrong because i think like it's been proven time and time again i think that brock purdy is not just the product product of the system but they're going to keep going back and, and finding any little thing they can to to try to support that but anyway going back to the dink and dunk thing i do have a, a nice stat that supports uh the other side of the the conversation in that he's not just a dink and dunk guy um on passes traveled more than 20 or more air yards he is 14 of 20 451 yards five touchdowns zero interceptions and he has the same amount of 20-plus air yard touchdown throws, eight, as Brock. Per- I mean, as Dak Prescott has on 79 less attempts. <laughs> Efficient, baby. Efficient. Efficiency is the name. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's just crazy. I, I like what you said, John, about C.J. Stroud. I think that's honestly, like, he he deserves more talk in the, in the conversation here. But... You know, as far as Brock Purdy, I've always said, like, I think he deserves to be in the conversation. I'm I'm open to any discussion for any of the other guys as well. Um, but I think you can pull Coles in those two. So <laughs> there, there's no perfect MVP candidate right no, now. No, not yet. And there's five weeks left in the season. This is going to shake out a little bit more as, as we get closer to that. So I know we're we're at about an hour, so, you know, don't want to keep us here any longer. But I appreciate you guys uh, for sticking with us this whole time. Uh, make sure you like this video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not yet, not just mine, but John and Wayne's as well, and vice versa. Um, guys, what, what else are you guys doing this week? Are you guys going to be out for the game in Seattle? I mean, Levi's against Seattle? Yeah, we'll be tailgating out in the blue lot. Um, right. You know, we're going to have a great be time. 49ersRushRoadTrip.com. And then next week, we got Patrick Willis coming to Arizona to party with us. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let's go. Oh, look All at right. that. I'm going to be out there. So I'm going to make sure I, you know, I, I try to catch you. Um, I always seem to not find you. So we're, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to, we're going to have we got to this. We figure got something this. out. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. All right, y'all. Make sure you guys have a good rest of your Wednesday. But for now, Peace.